We are back for episode two of the 13 Realms podcast. Season two of the project launched and sold out so quickly. And this season, it took a turn for the dark side, everything from undead dwarves to dark mages and even a dark lord. You know, it's no secret that our group is working on KOD animation. Evan is hard at work doing some of that. So for this episode, we decided to bring on Robert Fox. He is an all-star animator. He's worked with Land Before Time, Polar Express, and other films. But first, let's hear the prologue to the official lore of Kingdom of Dwarves. Of all the dwarves climbing the gigantic stone staircase which led to the Hall of Legends, Grarot Deepmaker was sure that he was the weariest. His old legs ached, his old lungs wheezed, and despite the cool night air, beads of sweat ran down his face and dripped from the tip of his snowy white beard. Grarot wanted to stop. He wanted to sit down on one of the wide stone steps carved into the mountainside and look out over the valley below. But he couldn't. His pride wouldn't allow it. And neither would his granddaughter, who was skipping lightly up the staircase beside him. Look, grandfather, she squealed, grabbing his gnarly, wrinkled hand with her little soft one. Is that the entrance? Aye, Gretton, Grarot grumbled. And why in the name of the ancient ones they had to build the thing halfway up a bloody mountain, I'll never know. Of course you know, Gritton said with childish indignation. You're the one who told me. This place is sacred to our people. It was on this very mountainside that the great king... Oh, spare me the history lesson, child, Grarot snapped. We'll be getting enough history tonight. Gritton let go of his hand and turned their face back to the vast oak doors ahead of them. Grarot sighed and awkwardly adjusted his burgundy cap. He looked around at the crowd of other dwarves climbing the steps, daring them to comment or even look sideways at him. None of them did so. I'm sorry, Grayton, he said in a low voice. I'm just a grumpy old dwarf who keeps forgetting that this is your first telling. You're excited, just like I was. It's just a bit harder up these stairs the hundredth time. Grayton smiled at him. That's okay. I know you're too old to be doing this. Your face has got all red and everything. Grarot managed to swallow the angry retort that sprung hotly to his mouth. The girl spoke the truth after all. He was the oldest dwarf making the ascent. By rights, it should have been Gretton's parents escorting her to her first telling. But they were gone. Grarot's brave and handsome son. His fierce and jolly daughter-in-law both victims of the War of Endless Fog, both killed in battle like so many of the sons and daughters of the Thirteen Realms. It was with that thought in his mind that Grauret followed the eager Gretton up the last few steps and began striding towards the open doors of the Hall of Legends. The cavernous hall was filled with hundreds of dwarves, all of them talking and shouting excitedly, all of them clamoring to find places on the long wooden benches which faced the platform at the far end of the hall. 
There were families, farmers, traders and craftsdwarves. There were dwarves of noble houses and groups of boisterous young warriors comparing weapons and armor. All of them gave way before Grarud as he led his wide-eyed granddaughter through the crowd and towards the raised platform. Whispers of Kingsguard reached his ears. He ignored them. The only dwarf he was interested in guarding tonight was seven years old, and although it felt traitorous to think it, she was more precious to him than any other dwarf in the kingdom, including the High King. Here, Gretton, Grarot pointed to a bench at the very front of the hall, which was almost completely empty. This is for us. Gretton climbed up and sat with her feet dangling high above the stone floor. Grarot gave a dignified wave of greeting to the few other members of the King's Guard who were seated on the bench. Then he sat down, trying his best to stifle an enormous groan of relief. Grarot half dozed through the preliminary section of the evening. Pompous nobles recited flowery poems, and the audience responded with barrages of good-natured insults and a few mouldy vegetables. A band played, and the hall thrummed with hundreds of deep voices joining in during the choruses. A juggler held golden axes high into the air, and Gretton clapped and cheered along with the rest of the throng. Then Broughton Gruntlog stepped onto the stage, and, within seconds, the entire hall had fallen completely silent. It wasn't just Broughton's position as supreme lawkeeper of the Thirteen Realms which inspired such awe and reverence from the assembled dwarves. It wasn't the Diaforge blade which hung from his belt, or even the white full moon war paint which covered his entire face, marking him as a legendary warrior. It was his eyes, his dark unblinking eyes which swept over the crowd with ferocious intensity, almost daring someone to speak daring someone to cough or slurp too loudly on their flask of mead. No dwarf did. No dwarf dared move a muscle. Broughton held that silence until it became almost a physical presence in the hall, a thick, suffocating blanket which was only removed when the mighty lawkeeper at last spread his arms wide and spoke in a warm, deep voice. My fellow dwarves, you've come here tonight for the telling of our story. Many of you have traveled long and difficult roads to be here. In fact, there are dwarves here tonight from each of the Thirteen Realms. And I welcome you all. Broughton paused long enough to allow for some brief, respectful cheering to echo around the hall before he raised a calming hand. For some of you, this is your first telling. Broughton looked directly at Gretton, and Grarot saw her round eyes shining with pride. And some of you have heard me speak the story of our people more times than you may care to remember. With this, Broughton gave Grauret the slightest nod, which the old dwarf returned solemnly. But every year, our legacy grows. Every year there is more to tell. And although this last year has added chapters to our history which may not be pleasant to recall, still they must become part of the telling. For that is how we preserve our history. And our history must be preserved. Broughton stood at the very front of the stage and closed his eyes. For a long moment he stood, his grey eyebrows tightly furrowed, 
and his right hand absently caressing the obsidian gemstone embroidered into his moss-green cape. When his eyelids slowly opened, his gaze was distant, as though he was staring out through the side of the mountain at something far away. Fill your pipes and gather your loved ones close, he said. Make sure you're comfortable and have plenty to eat and drink, for our story's a long one, and it begins like this. We are back in the 13 realms. This episode, we have a treat. We're going to be talking to Robert Fox. I'm not going to steal the thunder because his incredible resume is extensive, going back as long as I can remember. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. Outstanding. So you are an animator and you have really hit some incredible titles would love first to talk a little bit about when this really started for you. Does this start in childhood? Were you someone that was early on with a pencil and paper drawing? When did this really start for you? Yeah, interesting one, Chris. Um, I was not the kid that was always sitting around drawing and I was not the best drawer in the class sort of thing. Uh, I was always fascinated by those kids, but that was not me. I didn't get into it until I was, I think, 20 years old. I may have been 19, turning 20, when they started uh, like doing some training. I didn't do art in school. I wanted to, but I, I had already picked music, and uh, I kind of fell into it backwards. I wanted to, to, I wanted to be a chef originally. It kind of goes around in a big circle. If you, <laughs> if you wanted to you know, go, go all the way into it, but... Eventually, I reached a stage where I was, you know, I'm from Ireland, grew up there, of course, in the 80s, serious, serious unemployment in, in our town, it, throughout mm. the country. But like mid 80s, you're talking about like something like up to 75% unemployment in the wow. town I was from, you know, like really, that's the way it was. But it started to pick up a little bit. I, I worked as a uh, a baker or baker's assistant for, for a little bit, and I thought that was going to be it. Lost that job, closed down, and I'm like sitting around unemployed in Dublin, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I started drawing. I always enjoyed it a bit, but uh, you know, I wasn't the, the kid that did it. So I decided I'd get some sort of training, and I started to look for. Uh, we had a lot of government training courses where you would actually get, you know, paid <laughs> a, a pittance, you know, like your doll money, uh, welfare money while training. So. I decided I'd give that a go and I wanted to do graphic design because my brother-in-law had done it and I was like, okay, let's do that. He wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. I went to try and get this course and when I went to do to investigate it, they said, you know, we have this animation thing coming up. Uh, you should give it a go. And I truly was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think it'd be good. <laughs> and went along and from there it was just like one, you know, by the skin of my teeth hanging on to, to get onto the course, to get a first job and get through all that stuff. And uh, it worked out. I got into Don Bluth, early 87. And, you know, I just never looked back, man. It was uh, quite the experience. A lot of, uh, like, uphill climbing for me. I, like I said, I wasn't that kid that was fantastic. 
had very, very little training. The animation course didn't cover really how to animate. There was a lot of different things with it, you know. Yeah, I just like threw myself at it. I loved it. I loved the idea of getting paid to draw and applied myself as best I could and eventually got to the position of, you know, actual animator, started as an in-betweener back in those days. Some people probably don't even know what that is now, you know. The machines do it all for us now. Briefly explain, you know, obviously the start was in 2D animation. Uh, The animators do key drawings, you know, say roughly every fourth, sixth or eighth drawing, depending on the speed and what's going on. And we follow them up with filling in the blanks. You know, so you get your, your, your animation scene with a, you know, say 50 drawings in it and it's going to be 200 drawings, that type of thing. Mm, okay that yeah, makes sense yeah and it gives you a good sense of of the you know what's what's happening in, in in you know the the minute detail of what's happening and you get it start to understand a little bit of the the timing and spacing aspect that you have to kind of really grasp before you can kind of produce it yourself you know it's a right. good training ground yeah so blue, sorry, yeah, Bluth back in those days was like it was training. It was, you know, probably <laughs> I don't know, sixty percent training and forty percent production. You know. <laughs> so, what was that first character that you animated that really stuck out in your mind? The one that you find yourself thinking back to on a lazy Sunday. What What was that character that stands out in your mind from your past the most? Yeah, I think it it would have to be the first production shot that I got, which was, and actually, it's been a while, Chris, so <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> the name of the character, but I do remember it was from uh, it was from Rockadoodle. Oh, it was uh, classic. Yeah, the female uh, mouse character. Oh man, that's, I remember doing the shot and just like being so nervous touching the paper that it's like, this is real. This is going to be on, on the screen, you know, uh, barely scraped my way through it. Lots of help from lots of people. But yeah, those things, you do remember those things, you know, and then, you know, through the years, uh, different, different shots. I remember I did a shot on uh, uh, Troll in Central Park. Now, you, one thing you have to remember as well is like the movies, uh, however good or bad they were, um, the experience of working on them is radically different, you know? Right. So the experience of working on, on that movie, which was, is not a great movie, Troll in Central Park, really. The experience of working on it for me was fantastic, you know? I did this one shot of a character called Lort, the, the Queen's pathetic husband, one of my directors. I think it was Gary Goldman said, you know, wow, that's really nice. Like, you could probably make a, a, a directing animator someday. And that stood <laughs> out, you know? Like, Wow. Uh, years later, still, you know, a few years later, it took before I got that position as well. But yeah, th- those milestones where you kind of get good feedback and feel a sense of accomplishment, you know? Yeah, that sounds super incredible. And it's those little messages and those little one-off comments like, oh, wow, you'd make a great animating director and yeah, that stuck yeah. with you. And then it came to fruition just a few years later. Tell me a little bit about the transition from 2D to 3D. How did that happen? Was it hard? Were there some challenges yeah. switching the technology? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was hard in a good way for me like it was imposed upon the industry for sure but i was actually interested in it 
for a few years previous. I was looking at it. I was investigating it a little bit, just scratching the surface. Like back then, there was no, you know, there was no uh, YouTube. There was it was very hard to get uh, instruction on it. And I remember a friend of mine uh, swiped a, a copy of the manuals from Maya and gave them to me, you know, like yeah. 12 volumes of uh, detailed information about how it works. And I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't crack it. It was too, uh, it was too much. It was too deep. I didn't understand the, the first concept, you know, how do you install the program, you know, <laughs> and get, you know, getting cracks in the program. We all did it back then just to try and learn to use it. But eventually I did a, a little course uh, while I, I was in Australia for a bit uh, working for Disney, still 2D back then. It was, that was the, the last gasp of 2D for me. I did a course for uh, 3D Studio Max. Very, very, very basic, but just introduced me to it. And from then on, I was just like, okay, I can kind of understand some of the concepts. Now, at a very basic user level, right? I, I, was, I wasn't writing programs or tools or anything like that for it, but uh, I just, yeah, I applied myself to that, right? Meantime, what happened was big life changes, huge things rolling down the pipe, as, as happens to all of us. Uh, I found myself back in Ireland unemployed. And I'm like, okay, I was there for a year and a half, crazy personal life stuff. I'll talk about it if you want, but <laughs> probably not. Uh, had a lot of time on my hands. Got myself a box computer, uh, got a copy of, a student copy of Maya. And that was when you could start to get, like, I had some friends that were doing it. I could get some information. And I just sat there and I banged out a test, you know, applied myself to it as best I could. I spent like, you know, a proper eight hour day for months on end just working on this test. And that eventually got me into uh, Sony Imageworks here in L.A. That's where I am now. Uh, wow. Yeah, I look back since. Yeah. I, I, I may have exaggerated on the resume as well with that one. <laughs> 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 they, they, they eventually found out about that as well, which is a, a bit of a giggle, but, you know. As you, Take it till you make it. You, 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 yeah, you know, you got to do it. Like nobody that had any success didn't bend the rule here or there, you know. But it wasn't that serious. Not a big deal. I got in and they, you know, really took a chance on somebody like me, you know. No real computer experience. But they gave us like, I think I had three months before I got a shot, you know. Right. And it wasn't just me. It was a couple of other people. One or two didn't make it, but I was just like feverishly like lapping it up, having dreams about the graph editor and stuff like that for real, you know, but I absorbed as much as I possibly could to be able to get through a shot. And uh, yeah, got there eventually, you know, first movie on, on, on CG was uh, the Polar Express, which you know, again, movie. from an animation point of view, not the greatest uh, movie mainly for the look. It's a nice movie. It's got some stuff to it. Yeah, I think it's a cool movie. Yeah, we still watch it as a family. I've got kids now as well. The experience for me was just transformative. I, I learned how to use the computer, you know. And look. we had mocap as well to deal with and multiple rigs and all sorts of problems with the rigs and the the pipeline, learning what a pipeline was. I didn't know what that was really, you know. I had a, a very basic idea and I just like was overwhelmed with it but got, you know, just... Hack away, hack away. You know, you couldn't stop me. 
It, it sounds like you were immersed in this world when you were doing your test. And it, it's almost like you became obsessed for a short stint. And that's yeah. what got you the job. Could, could you take us through that actual journey? Like, what was it like? What, were you going to sleep and waking up, uh, like going <laughs> back to the computer? Like, yeah. what, what possessed you when you were going through that process? Well, like I said, been through like, you know, some major uh, life changes, you know, uh, big stuff that happened, you know, losing members of the family, uh, <laughs> being thrown out on the street from your, 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 where you live type of type of stuff. You know, it was, it was quite crazy. And I was just like, okay, I intended to stay in Ireland, but I just couldn't get any work. There wasn't enough at the time. There's lots of work there now, but at the time it was very thin on the ground. It wasn't working. So I decided I, I'm going to try to get back to the U S uh, get a job before I leave Ireland and move. Uh, still have my green card. You know, I was just, I have to learn it. I have to do it and I will do it. That was it. You know, it's like I had the time. I had, you know, just about enough money to get a computer. And that was like a massive investment. And that's what you do. It's like you have to put everything in. It's like all the cards on the table, all in. And yeah, I like I said, I sat down eight hours a day, was disciplined with that stuff. And I could do it. You know, I, I did it. It was, it was okay. It worked. I wasn't sure how well I could work on my own like that. And I kind of figured that out then that I could indeed do it. My wife was helpful. If if there was any goofing off, she's like, you know, you know, you back to it. <laughs> that helps as well. Um, but like I was making phone calls to New Zealand and the U S from Ireland at a time when a phone call like that was <laughs> for me, significant uh, investment as well. Right. You call my friends who are working at studios. You know, one of them is working at on Lord of the Rings. Okay, he's working on the the big sequence with the the big elephants with the tusks that are wrapped in all the barbed wire stuff and the massive fights. Right, he's working on that, and mm -hmm. I call him and I'm like, "Hey, Richie, uh, I'm trying to work out why the graph editor won't keep my uh, my keys consistent from one to the other. I've I put a key here, put a key there, and in between." My foot is dipping through the ground. I'm like, what's going on? And he took the time to just walk me through it. You know, it's like, okay, open the graph editor and we go through this. He's like, see these buttons up here? And I'm like, no. He's like, second row down. Like, they look like little <laughs> lines and bent. You know, it's an L and an X. And I'm like, okay, yeah, press that. I'm like, I'm figuring out how to use the the graph editor like that. You know, calling my friends. Wow. I was working in DreamWorks. I'm like, I want to, uh, you know, make the character hold something in his hand, but how do I make it follow his hand? I didn't know what constraints were. And he walked me through that on the phone as well. It was like that, you know, I had to send away. I couldn't download the, uh, the copy of Maya that I used. I had to actually send off a, uh, <clears throat> a request. I think it was a, a, an addressed envelope back to me, to Maya to send it back. And I got it on disc, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew, I knew, you know, it was, wasn't hard to figure out that's where it was going 2d was pretty much dead and I, like i said i was interested in it i wanted to do it and yeah when when you have that sort of it's not like a, a mystical drive or real real deep stuff it was just to me like common sense that i have to do it and i'm going right. to do it you know yeah 
So now that you got your big break, I'm, I'm sure you worked with dozens and dozens of different directors. I would love yeah, to hear yeah. a story of working with a particular director. What type of direction do you get as an animator? How do you change characters based on their direction and the storyline altogether? Constant. That's every uh, sit down with the, the director. That's what they're doing all the time. If they're a decent director, a lot of directors don't know how to direct animation. And it's not their fault. You know, it might be a live action or not, you know, it might be a visual effects movie that has animated characters in it. But yeah, that's a constant. That, that's what the director, animation director are doing all the time. What was a, me, a memorable scenario? Yeah, yeah. That you can... yeah, there's a couple of them for sure. You know, <laughs> <laughs> say, uh, we won't quite put it as good and bad, but like say positive <laughs> and weird. Um, right. Let's start with the positive. Like Jorge Gutierrez directed uh, the Book of Life again. You know, uh, didn't do amazingly well, but it was a really, really nice movie. Established him in the industry. He was probably for me the best director I've worked with. He knew what he wanted. He had the movie in his head. It was his movie. He wrote it. He'd worked on it for years, developing the characters and stuff like that. When he cast a shot, he had a very clear uh, kickoff that he would tell you exactly what he wanted. You know, this is the type of thing we're going for here. I want to see this. I want to see that. Uh, occasionally, he'd be like, you know, yeah, we want this, but let's see what, where it goes. But no matter what you gave him, if it wasn't awful, you know, just missing the mark, which happens sometimes. You sometimes miss the, the bullseye for sure. But if it wasn't way off, he would look at it and go, you know, it wasn't what I was thinking, but it works really well. Let's do that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, push this here, push that there, whatever you might want to do with that. But he was fantastic. He was open to what you were doing. And I think that's a great way to direct animators because it, a lot of directors are just like, I want this, do it. Uh, and they may walk you through it frame by frame, which is a painful experience for any animator because one, you don't feel like you're good enough, you know, and two, you've no ownership of it then, you know, but a lot of other directors were, were way, way better than that. And Jorge uh, being sort of the best example of that. Ash, Ash Brannan was fantastic too. He directed a movie that probably no one's seen called Rock Dog. It was a Chinese production. But again, a very, very open director. You want your, your directors to be open, you know? Right. Um, but some of the weird ones were for, uh, was it Alice in Wonderland? And that was, <clears throat> excuse me, that was uh, Tim Burton directed that. And yeah. we, we got a, a, a few, as animators, a, a, a few sit-downs with him. You don't generally get to see your animators, especially at a, at a production house, a contract house like uh, Imageworks. It's like you're, you're removed from it. But he came in a few times. And I, was, I had this one character that I was supposed to be the, the lead animator on, and his direction was just like literally grunts and whistles and hells you know i did not know what he was talking about my directing animator did not know what he was talking about he would literally be like you know what i really want to do is have it eat more <laughs> and i'm not exaggerating everybody in the room was just like looking at each other the people that take notes like what do we do what are we supposed to do yeah uh 
What, there was no translator. There was no one who was like, I know exactly oh, what you're like. It was just like, yeah, everybody's just like, the, fair play, the, the guy who was directing, Dave Schaub, directing animation, he was just like, okay, yeah, 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 I think we know what we're going to do. And later we get together and he's just like, yeah, I've no idea what he wants, but let's try this. <laughs> you know? Wow. Uh, he just didn't like uh, soft, smooth, flowing Disney type animation. He wanted something that was more static or more erratic and right you know crazy which is easy enough to describe in those words but he didn't like to be specific you know he 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 was we were watching him closely in the press while it was going on you know the animators because it wasn't just me it was everybody was kind of confused by it and he had one interview where he had said you know i love to have a conversation with somebody my best conversations are you know two people in a room talking um when we leave the room nobody knows what we don't know what we were talking about and i'm like yeah that's how he operates and he's on a different <laughs> level you know but listen i don't mean i'm not criticizing the guy it was just weird to work with no of course stuff you know he's a he's a fantastic talent i'm sure there's you know it's just one teeny tiny uh small window into the the world for me you know yeah, no, th- I think that's fascinating. Those little nuanced details yeah, about yeah. working with different people, yeah. personalities. I think it's incredible. Uh, one thing that I have to bring up, because obviously Kingdom of Doors, very focused on the fantasy yeah, yeah. world. Uh, yeah. And it seems like what is old is new again. I saw Dragon's Lair on your resume oh, yeah, 10 yeah. years ago, and yeah. now it's back again. What is it like to revisit a fantasy world like that? Oh, and what are you doing with this new uh, project, if you can talk on it at all? Well, Chris, I have to say I will talk on it because I I, I, I can't really say much. Sometimes, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes uh, IMDb is off the mark. Uh, I worked on maybe a couple of shots in <clears throat> summer of 2000. That's it. Really? It was, yeah, it was when the the Bluth, uh, the Fox Animation Studio was closing down. It was like a last whimper of of, of to try and get something going, and uh, yeah, that's it. And then I don't know why it's on IMDb. I meant to say that at the beginning. It's like oh. sometimes there's a couple of things in there. There's only like uh, maybe three or four things in there that I didn't, and maybe maybe more. I didn't work on at all. I don't know how that ends up on there. And I've actually gone back in there and corrected it a couple of times and it still pops back up. It must be some sort of a, a automated system that just throws things in based on, uh, yeah, random nonsense. Yeah. Random okay. nonsense. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope it's a project because I, I remember playing the game as a kid. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I hope something is coming out in 2022, uh, well, focus on Dragon's Lair. Yeah, Bluth was supposed to be working on it. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what's happening. Sorry. Well, may, maybe yeah. uh, you'd be expecting a call sometime soon. <laughs> I, will, I will jump back in for sure. I'd love to. It'd be amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. What yeah. is that that one thing that you would want to convey to the folks on the the Kingdom of Doors project? Big audacious goals to make this an animation uh to create an entire world and obviously i'm sure you've seen some of the art really detailed character driven art what is that one piece of advice as the kingdom of dwarves project looks to go towards animation and create this world for people to enjoy what piece of advice would you have for them yeah man that's a that's a tough one i suppose you know like what's worked for me 
I don't pretend to know everything, Chris, by any stretch. But what worked for me is just tenacity. You know, there's a lot of luck involved in it as well. Like I said, I started out kind of, you know, going towards graphic design. Wanted to be a chef. Then I'm doing graphic design. I fall backwards into animation. But like grasping on to um, the, the opportunities that present themselves, just don't don't give up, you know? Don't, don't give up. give up. They, 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 I'm sure they know, you know, the, the the procedures of how to get to a studio, how to get financing. I mean, what to do to start it. Everybody can can kind of figure that stuff out. But to actually make it happen, I think, requires just that level of commitment and like, yeah, we're going for this. We're doing it. Uh, I, I have no doubt that they can do that. They've got some fantastic people. So they just have to channel the Robert that was in the room for three months, <laughs> grinding away at that test. That's yeah, exactly yeah, you know, what we need. And it's it's not hard, you know. It's just like signing on, isn't it? You know, right? Just yeah, checking yeah. in, getting yeah, to work. Yeah, yeah. I think Robert, that's, that's a valuable thing. Yeah. Now, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to chat with me today. Uh, for the folks that want to stay up to date with you and everything that's going on in your world today, what is the best way for people to do that? Oh, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, IMDb. Uh, yeah, I suppose LinkedIn is a, is, a, is a straightforward one. Robert Fox. Won't be hard to find. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Robert. And we'll see everyone in the next episode. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you.